This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For the 2023-2024 season, the West Amway podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports venues are showing every televised West Ham fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and go down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Green King Sport have just recently launched the Green King Sport Instagram page, which will be the home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all this, you'll be helping out the West Ham way. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWH employee. This week we talk about our win against Sheffield United, our first clean sheet of the Premier League season, the quality of Jarrah Bowen, the resurrection of Suchek and Shufel, the 900th league game for David Moyes, the atmosphere in the stadium, our first pre-match event at the Colour Factory and the games we have this week before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. Sheffield United at home was a game we expected to win but looking at some of the other results from the weekend there aren't any guarantees in the Premier League so with that said it was good to get two goals three points and a clean sheet what did you make of the performance? I thought first half we were really really good I thought yep. we, we created a lot of chances I thought the creativity was exciting at times I mean look at that first goal there's a lot a really good interchange there between the midfielders and Shafau and Bowen and so on really good goal I thought we could have had at least maybe three or four others of course they they had chances as well so it wasn't completely one-sided but I felt I felt we played really well in the first half and a little bit like um, game has gone by uh, we sort of sat back back in the second half and almost like invited a bit more pressure when I think I think the game was there to have got even more goals I think we you know obviously they're on the back of an 8-0 defeat I think we could have got at least 4-0 um, but it seemed like we wanted to take it a bit easy which I guess is fair enough considering we've got a 
you know, a mayhem, a manic fixture list coming up. So maybe, you know, you come out of that result, you got a 2-0 win, it was comfortable, there was no injuries really, apart from one little one, which I'll talk about later. Um, no real consequences of that game, as in, um, you know, we still got a full fit squad and so on. Got, <coughs> got the win, was comfortable, you know, and what was the best thing about that game for me is that a couple of players and I'm guilty of it as well, that have been um, the butt of criticism recently, I thought were some of the best players. I think Suchek is pushing Ward-Prowse for being one of the best players. If he was to choose Hammer of the Year, was it ridiculously early, but if he was to choose it now at this point, I mean, read between Suchek and Ward-Prowse, arguably, mm. with a few other contenders maybe, but I think Suchek's been a much better player this year. He looks more, he's so much more involved, he's so much more of a threat. I thought um, Agued was really good and made a couple of crucial blocks and tackles which is really good and Chafal got another assist from across so that's three things where people have been criticising myself included recently and it was good that all three of those um, players managed to put in very good performances as well yeah, absolutely, mate. And it's really important to note that. I mean, that first half I thought was great. Um, we started well. I thought the passing, the movement was good. I loved the fact that we pressed them because I think it was a, a deliberate tactic to realise that Sheffield United in defence lack quality on the ball. So yeah. we really put it on them and it caused so many mistakes from them that created chances from us. And that was really refreshing to see. And it was just one of those games where I think you, you used the right word, comfortable, really. It was comfortable. And um, I, I know you're not being on stats right but one of my biggest bugbearers in the past is the lack of times we control the game against teams that are not as good as us on paper it, it just it just needles me um you can live with it if you're getting 23 percent possession of it in a game but you're nicking a win and you're getting the three points because that's all that matters but in this game it, we had 53 percent possession 20 shots and nine on target and for me that is that's controlling the game and like I say we were comfortable and it was also a game X that marked the 900th league match for David Moyes so you have mm. to congratulate the gaffer on what's been an incredible career I mean he was fantastic at Preston fantastic at Everton mm. it's had its ups and downs because it was a bit of a disaster at Man United a bit of a disaster in Spain a bit of a disaster in Sunderland but he's been great for West Ham so I think it's important to note despite the ups and downs with the fan base he's had that we have to congratulate him on so far what's been a really good career and I also think the Manchester United one it's been proven because the, no one since him has been able to replicate anywhere near the success that Ferguson had there and he was the first one to step into Ferguson's shoes as the one that Ferguson had pretty much identified so I think the Manchester United gig was always going to be a poison chalice and that it was yep. whoever went in there was going to have a tough one Sunderland at the time weren't exactly um, you know a great team either that you know their decline it was the start of their decline which seemed them go down to League One so you can maybe excuse that a little bit as well obviously Spain a bit different I don't really know what went on there but it's always hard if you can't speak the language I guess of the of the country that you're playing you know though obviously other, other managers have coats but yeah I mean when you look at it it's been a great career There's, I, I would like to know actually the stats on this but um, in terms of games managed in the Premier League He's got to be right up there, right up there. I mean, obviously, he had Ferguson for a long time, but he hasn't managed for, what, the last sort of 10-ish years now. We'll see other Wenger would have had a lot, but he hasn't managed for the last three or four. You know, there's there's got to be managed. He's got to be right up there as one of the managers of the most ever 
games in the Premier League I would have thought so so yeah in, in, in terms of that he definitely does, deserves respect and I think he deserves respect because he um, he brought West Ham their first trophy our first trophy in however many years we've been in Europe three years in a row which is just a dream come true for for most of us we never would have dreamt of that happening and um, we're looking like we're going to have another good season this season as well so you know I think people one day when his time is done and look back and think yeah we were very he did very well for us yeah absolutely mate I mean that first goal was outstanding wasn't it it was an injection mm. of the West Ham way if you like it was yes. so exciting and uh, the man that put it in the back of the net is a man that's on fire and we all know who he's shagging four goals in six games for Jared I don't want to step on your toes in your section and I don't know if you were going to talk about this ex, but why have we still not tied up a new contract for him well, that is coming in my section, um, so I'll speak briefly on it now. But we are trying. But the thing is, with West Ham, which is one of those ongoing frustrations that is always the case with us, we're haggling. So he wants to be one of the highest earners at the club, um, and we which, don't... which he, he should be, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, oh one hundred percent should be. Yeah, one hundred percent because he's our most effective player, and probably in the transfer market maybe alongside Paqueta, our most valuable player as well. So, yeah, 100% he should be. The, the, the slight problem West Ham have got where they um, fucked themselves, for want of a better word, is bringing in Danny Ings and bringing him in on the money that he's on because that's bumped up what the what the higher earners are on and also when you go into negotiations Gerard is rightly going to say well if Danny Ings is on that much I'm clearly more important to this team than he is then I should be on that at least um, and then once you do that that will take you over Piquetta so the whole Danny Ings transfer has put a bit of a problem there but yeah the, the bottom line is West Ham need to hurry up because I think when we were in Liverpool you know we talked to those people and I won't start you off again but those, those uh, group of people that you're not overly fond on and uh, we spoke to a few there and they were all and we agreed saying that they think Bowen is the perfect replacement for Salah and Salah yeah. seems almost destined to go to Saudi Arabia next summer and make an absolute fortune there um, so we need to get him on a deal very quickly um, so yeah I don't know mate I don't know mate if I was in charge of West Ham um, tomorrow that'd be one of the first things I did was get him on a long term contract um, and make sure that if anyone was going to try and buy him they'd have to pay a lot of money for him yeah and a brand new contract and, and announcing that publicly would do us wonders in January if, if Salah does go so yes, you know, yeah. I think it's a real it's a real priority for us to, to do that and you know from what I understand he loves West Ham he loves playing at West Ham so if you've got a player with the right attitude he's consistent he looks after himself he, he contributes and he wants to stay for fuck's sake give him what he wants within reason and mm. I don't know what Sullivan was thinking with, with Danny Ings I really don't because I think it's a well known fact that he was a gift to David Moyes and uh, and I think you're quite right by doing that <laughs> you've got the likes of Bowen and Paqueta and and you know I know he's only just joined but James Ward-Prowse and all of our top players will be looking at him thinking well Ingsy can't even get a game and I'm on 40-50 grand less and I'm performing 10 times better than he is so mm. you're always going to create that problem if you sign a player like that so that is quite a frustrating situation that we found ourselves in for sure um, but you mentioned Suchek and the second goal obviously came from from Tom and he seems to be flourishing 
without Declan? I mean, what's changed? Because surely it can't be that detrimental playing next to Declan Rice. Is it a case of now we've got Alvarez, he has that license to go forward again? Is it as simple as that? Yeah, I think this is what it is, really. I think that's the key thing. I think with Alvarez, he, or Alvarez, whatever you're about to say, he doesn't pretend to get near the penalty box that often, unless it's a corner. He literally just sits in that defensive midfield role and does a great job in it. I mean, he's been a very good signing. I mean, there is one thing with his bookings, and I think that comes up in the final section. But aside from that, he's, he's been a brilliant signing. So he just sits deep, which has now enabled Thomas um, Suchet to go much more where he was effective in his first season with us and that's roaming into the penalty area making his physical presence known getting on the end of crosses and so on and I think when Declan was playing Declan so much was expected of Declan because he was the, clearly the best player so it was almost like you know just give Declan let Declan do what he wants to do he can be up and down well let's get Declan on the ball wherever he is put Declan all over the pitch and Suchet just got a little bit lost which is why he never ended up touching the ball that often because almost Rice took over so to speak Declan is a better player than Alvarez 100% but the difference is Declan was trying to do everything so now we've got Alvarez sitting in that role doing what he is very good at but we've but just focused on that role and then Suchek in the role that he's in just focused on the role that he's got to do so they understand their roles much better and I think having Alvarez just sitting there protecting the defence has enabled Suchek this licence to roam and I think that that is a, a massive difference in his performances and he and what you've got to think as well there was talk about he was going to go last year and that he was quite unhappy and in the summer prior, not this one just gone, but the one before, you know, there was actually talks that he was going to go either to Germany, I think Newcastle was an option at one point and, and, he, and he wasn't signing a new deal and there was, a, um, you know, it was a deadlock in terms of his uh, contract, he signed a four-year deal, I don't know why the club haven't announced it, but he signed a four-year deal, he seems a lot happier in himself um, and that's showing in his performances. And yeah, I, I, you know, I can't criticize him. It's really, you know, the fact that he's basically keeping kudos out the side is a, is a testament to, to how well he's doing. And as I said at the start of the show, if you're going to, for me, if you're looking at Hammer of the Year contenders at this early stage, he would be one of them. And fair play to him. I hold my hands up. I've been one of the biggest critics of the last year or so because I didn't think he did anything now he is doing stuff and you can't knock it you have to acknowledge it it's great to see him back at his best and I mean there was a few groans when he signed a new contract and and, and maybe that was the reason why the club didn't announce it because they thought it wouldn't be the most popular decision amongst the fan base which is a Mm. shame but you know, I, I think you've got to love Big Tom. You have. I mean, I, I love Lurch. I think he's fantastic. I mean, I know, obviously, you had that argument with Martin Allen on Mad Dog Bites that time. And <laughs> you clearly detest him with every fibre of your being. But for me, I've got to love Big Tom. I've got to love him. Do you know what? I've always maintained, as a person, I absolutely like, love him to bits. He's, a, he's so comical and so like yeah. happy and stuff. So, yeah, I've never not liked him as a person. I just felt he wasn't contributing enough to my football team. But actually, I'm happy to admit this season, you know, he's been one of our better players. So credit to him. Yeah, it's great to see him back at his best. And another player that is in really good form at the moment is Vladimir Shufel, who on Monday, incredibly, celebrates three years at West Ham. Mm. How would you summarise his time at the club? 
I think he's been a very solid right back, a really good signing. You know, we didn't pay too much money for him, did we? And I think he's been brilliant in terms. I think defensively, I trust him. I like him defensively. My biggest criticism's always been his lack of delivery from crosses. But actually, again, to, to contradict my previous comments, he's got three assists recently. I think and he got one at the weekend as well. They're still. They're still floating or past crosses, which is fine when it works because they're leading to opportunities. So I can't criticize him. I still think there's room for him to, to mix them up a little bit and get down the way and whip them in with pace. I still think he doesn't do that quite as much as I'd like him to do, but you can't complain if he's getting an assist, you know, one assist every couple of games or so. That's a good ratio for a full back. And, you know, he's beaten off strong competition for that right back slot, you know. Kera um, plays for the German national team at right back. You know, um, Ben Johnson was an up and coming prospect at right back. You know, so he's done well to hold on to his spot there. And I think he's good for team spirit. He seems a nice lad. Everyone seems to get on well with him. He seems very professional as well. Just comes in, appreciates playing for West Ham, which is always nice to see as well. And yeah, it's, um, he, uh, the fact he's getting assists now is, is adding another element to his game. So yeah, fair play. It looks like the um, the Czech brothers are back in um, back in uh, as effective and popular as they were when they won Hammer of the Year and runner up to Hammer mm. of the Year a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear what the Czech boys had to say after the game. This isn't an impression, by the way. This is the actual common blood. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, how are you going to get two of them? This is going to be interesting. <laughs> no, this is what they actually said after the game. <laughs> well, Thomas, Vlad, 2-0 win here today against Sheffield United. No easy games in the Premier League, Thomas. A really resolute win today. Yeah, sure. Every every game is uh, very hard uh, in the Premier League and every point uh, we have to count and uh, we are so happy uh, that we got three points at home. Yeah. Vlad, first clean sheet in the Premier League this season. How vital is that? Yeah, uh, I think it was very important. We finally kept the clean sheet and uh, we said a bit of luck second half because we didn't play well second half. But, you know, we have three points and clean sheet and that's all that's all that matters. The number three keeps coming up today. Thomas, that's your third goal of the season, second this week. Pleased with the finish? <laughs> yes, uh, with this finish, uh, I am happy that uh, I could score even with my left foot. Uh, but Mickey, I have to say uh, thank you to him because he g- gave me a great pass. And also I could score even more because I had uh, many headers uh, in the box. But yeah, I'm happy that uh, I just score. And uh, uh, it's, it goes uh, what came last uh, one, two uh, weeks ago. Uh, it's perfect, but uh, the most important is uh, the winning play. Vlad, does he get many on his left foot in training? Yeah, he's very good with his left foot, with both feet. So I was very surprised he, he didn't score. And but he keep he keeps scoring, so that's important. And Vlad, that's three assists for you now this season. Three in the last three games. Are you pleased with your return in the last few matches? <laughs> with return, yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, it's it's fine. But uh, finally, I got assist and uh, we got uh, victory also. So that's important. And uh, I could have have even even more assist, but. I am very pleased with this one. Thomas, it's a a bouncing back in the Premier League after two back-to-back defeats. How important was it to get back to winning ways today? 
Uh, very important because uh, we know that uh, we played uh, quite well uh, Liverpool well, uh, away and uh, we could win there but we were then uh, yeah, uh, unhappy with the results but still it was uh, too difficult match uh, and uh, too, uh, but, uh, too loose uh, uh, we wanted to win and uh, it was at home uh, the fans uh, were very good today they support us and uh, yeah, just happy that uh, we, yeah, we have three points from today and uh, we can uh, get ready for uh, last two uh, games before international and Vlad final one for you I'm not sure if you know but on Monday is three years as a West Ham player where's that three years gone yeah it was very very quick you know time is flying and uh, you know I'm three years older now <laughs> but obviously uh, very young <laughs> yeah well, obviously very very pleased with uh, these three years you know one uh, one conference league we finished uh, we finished six seven in the Premier League three years in a row in the in the uh, European competition so that's uh, very good and uh, yeah thank you Phil. <laughs> Thomas you, you welcomed Vlad to, to West Ham three years ago on Monday on behalf of the club just how big of a player has he been for us in that time <laughs> Vlad yeah, yeah, well, he's, <laughs> he's massive now he's like uh, since he came he did uh, very uh, massive things for the West Ham uh, uh, <laughs> now he improved us a lot because uh, I came I don't know uh, six seven uh, months before but when he joined me it was uh, yeah new West Ham and uh, yeah, uh, as he said, uh, since uh, that time we did uh, very well uh, everywhere in Premier League in Europe. So it's uh, yeah, it's a massive achievement uh, for for West Ham and even uh, for him and uh, for I hope that even for our country uh, should be proud of him. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. X, one player that has received a lot of praise recently is JWP, rightfully so. But did he get enough after the game on Saturday? Because I have his game stats here, thanks to Dan Woffenden. 95% pass accuracy, 80 touches in total, 12 out of 13 passes completed in the final third, 6 out of 9 crosses completed, which is more than any other player in the game, and 5 chances completed, again, more than any other player. Yet only 2% of patrons voted for him as man of the match. What did you make of his performance? I think this is the story of his career almost. Like people seem to think, and I'm not saying in, this is the case with this vote here, because I think the reason he only got a small percentage was because other players did stand out and did play better. I haven't actually looked at the award. Who who won it this week? Um, uh, Jared. Uh, did he? Yes, yeah, so that makes sense. Suchek second, Gwed probably, uh, I guess. 
They're probably out there. I, don't, I would actually look to it, to be honest with you, so I don't know. But I think the reason he would have had a low percentage was because um, other players played so well. So it's more of a reflection on them than on him. But since he's been a player, and I'm talking about before West Ham, the whole of his career, which is why I think West Ham fans weren't that keen on signing him. Uh, not, not all West Ham fans, but obviously a percentage. I think he... He is known as this set piece like wizard that you know what he does is score amazing free kicks, takes great corners, puts the ball into the box well, and scores penalties and stuff. And I think people almost think that if he didn't have those attributes, he'd just be a very, very, very average footballer. And so they almost overlook the stats and the impacts that, that you're alluding to there. I think his overall play is much better than people let on and that people that realise. And, you know, he does a very, very solid job in the bits like that, keeping hold of possession, you know, winning the ball, making sure attacks get going. But because they're not match of the day moments and they're not, you know, wow, look what he did there, moments, people almost overlook them and then wait for the next free kick. I mean, if I, even myself, if I was to look back on what I remember about Jared's performance on Saturday, it stands out, and not Jared's performance, sorry, uh, JWP's performance on Saturday, is that I remember he got a free kick just outside the area in the first half, and everyone was like, oh, this is it, this is it, this is it, and I, I can't remember what happened, I think it hit the wall maybe, um, or it might no, I think the keep it cool to actually I don't think it was very hard. And um and that's all I can remember, and that's because they're the key moments you think, oh this is his moment, this is his moment. And you almost tend to overlook what he does outside of that. If he didn't have these like you know, Hollywood free kicks and corners and stuff, then I think people would notice his overall contribution more than they do. And I I was speaking to uh, say what's to say here? A player, let's say, but um, and this player and me were discussing James Ward Prowse's credentials, and I was really surprised that they and this is not a West Ham player, this is just a football player, uh, and they I was really surprised that they didn't seem to think he had. They said he was a good player, but they just thought a good player was what it was, and he wasn't, you know, maybe national team standard or good enough to play for a top six side, and I don't agree I think he is good enough I just think he's underrated and I mean that's the key word there that he's been underrated for what else he brings to the team uh, as opposed to just you know noticing all the free kicks and corners yeah it's good news for us of course because it, it keeps yeah. the walls away from the door and I think uh, kept, the wall, kept the walls away from the door for a long time for Southampton I think that's 100% definitely. yeah and that's why no other clubs particularly made a move for him I think mm. as well and because yeah. they were like well you know he would have been a good player for Tottenham oh well we've got Madison he can deliver those the similar quality oh well We've got this player that can take good free kicks. We've got this guy that takes good corners. They weren't looking at the overall package. And this overall package of JWP is very good and a great signing for West Ham. You know, the two signings. And even, you know, I think you can say the same in the bits they've played for Kudos and Mavropanos. The four signings that we made with the Declan Rice money have all been brilliant so far, in my opinion. Of course, the, the latter two haven't had as much opportunity as the, the, the first to, but from the bits they've played, they've looked very good as well. And I have confidence that when they are actually in the team, they're going to be great players as well. And we've actually recruited really, really well for those for that money with Declan Rice. And um, mm, that was yeah, cool. 
Yeah, and I think James Ward-Prowse is key to that. And not only is he a good player, but he's a good person, a good leader as well, which is another quality that that might be overlooked at times. You know, he was Southampton's captain for a reason. You know, he's got leadership credentials, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Zuma gets injured, say, which almost inevitably is going to happen at some point this season, then he would take over the armband. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good shout, mate. And I agree with everything you just said. I mean, for clarity, Jared got the Patreon Man of the Match Award with 47% of the votes. Then in second place was Shufal with 22%, mm-hmm. uh, followed by his Czech teammate, Big Tom, with yeah, 19 Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Those three played very, very well. So that's yeah. why he got a low percentage, because they just happened to be slightly more... It more imp- they had more impacts on the game, those three. Yeah, more more of an end product, and that always yes. gets the votes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we saw another cameo from Kudus um, at times, and it was one clip in particular that uh, is beautiful to watch, almost Messi-esque when he takes on about three or four players, showing exactly what he can do and what he can bring. He can be explosive. He can be quick, can be skillful. Um, I think we're all excited by him, even before he walked through the door, to be honest. But what point can you see him starting? Or do you think, do you think, and, I, and this isn't a theory, it's just me thinking out loud. Do you think Moisey sat him down and said, look, Mickey is 33 years of age. Um, Jared is currently playing on the right wing. We can see you playing a massive contributing factor in the Premier League. You will start at times, you'll come on at times. You'll be used in every cup competition, including Europe. But as of from next season, our vision is possibly life without Mickey. And we can see us pushing Jared up top with you cementing your place week in, week out in Jared's position on the right wing. Can you see that happening? And if so, how do you feel about that? Because Jared can obviously play both positions. But if you move Jared up top, would you be missing something from him in midfield? Well... It's an interesting question because, yes, I do think that has been the plan. And, you know, in the summer, I reported that that was going to be the plan, that Moyes was going to use Bowen more as a forward, even with Cornet as a possible alternative up front as well. Obviously, he was looking at options to Antonio that were already at the club, hence why we probably didn't push too hard to sign someone in January. I mean, we did try and sign a forward, but probably could have got one if we were desperate to get one. Um, and I think the reason is because he does see Bowen as a, long term forward but to contradict that point a little bit I know and I say it in my section that we are actively looking for a forward and we've actually started scouting and putting in like you know the early work to narrowing down who we're going to try and go for in January so it's a bit of a mixed answer because I think yes he does see Bowen able to play up front but I also think he'll bring in a forward at some point soon to replace Antonio as well but I think the problem we've got, and it's a good problem to have, is that we've got four um, very good central midfielders at the moment, and that's Alvarez, Suchek, Pakitar, and um, Ward-Prowse. And it's trying to accommodate those four in the team, um, mm. and then Bo- and then Bowen is obviously brilliant on the on the wing. But you have two wing spots, and it's just at the moment it seems that it's so hard to drop any other of those central midfielders. Had it been last year, for me, I would have had Suchek. 
on the bench immediately and kudos in the team straight away. Job yeah. done. But the problem mm. is Suchek's playing so well, it's so hard to drop him now. And then you're left with, do you drop Packers? Oh, well, you, you can't drop him. Do you drop Ward Prowse? You can't drop him. Do you drop Alvarez? You can't drop him. They're like, you can't drop those four. So it's almost like the strength of midfield has meant that Kudos hasn't been able to get his chance. But every time he's came on and the games he has started, he's shown really good qualities. And one thing I really like about him is that obviously his ability to beat a man makes him exciting but he doesn't go down very easily either he tries to stay on his feet and a couple of times in the games that I've seen he's taken an absolute beating a couple of times and still trying to remain on his feet which is a rarity in the modern game now and um, I think I think his time will come you can tell he's a very very good player it's just the fact that the squad's almost like the midfield particularly is almost too good at the moment the only position really you, you, you can think of as like you say he's put Bowen up front and Kudos and then drop Antonio but then he's Bowen is Bowen complete enough as a forward and are you he's still scoring loads of goals from the wing so like you're getting the goals from Jared anyway so it's, it's whatever in case maybe you could play Kudos up front you know against Sheffield United there was a bit of a rotation going on between Bowen Pakatar and Kudos up front maybe he's sort of could you could consider playing him there and actually if anything that appeals to me a bit more than Bowen being up front because I think from what I've seen of Kudos you know he's probably slightly quicker than Gerard, which is going to be close because they're both very fast he's quite you know he take he doesn't go down very easily and I, and I think that would be what I might consider as well but it's a great dilemma to have and Kudos is going to have to wait his time you know the, he'll play against Freiburg I'm sure um, but in the league it's going to be very hard to change that team that played against Sheffield United on, against Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. It is a nice problem to have. And it's a problem that we've n- not had for a long time. And we've mm-hmm. always thought, you know, oh God, what could we have achieved this season if we had a bigger squad? And you look at the, you know, the Europa League semi-final, for example, and you think the lads just burnt out. And, you know, you crave that bigger squad with quality, not just people that are making the numbers up with genuine quality. And we've got that now. And I think that makes it really exciting. So it's going to be interesting tactically to see how we progress with these players. But it is a very nice problem to have. Um, I wanted to ask you about the atmosphere, right? Because I've seen on social media a number of people actually talking quite negatively about the atmosphere at Sheffield United. Now, if you put it into perspective, you know, we've got this big stadium now. We're doing well in the Premier League. We've got the most exciting squad of players I can remember for a long time. We're in Europe. Should the atmosphere be what it is? Should it be better? And the reason I say this, I was actually, I was at the game um, at Sheffield United, but for infuriating reasons I can't talk about, I had to leave the game before, about 20 minutes before the game. So I can't comment on the atmosphere, but what's your take on it? Is there any truth in that or is it people just stirring shit? Um, uh, it's a tough question, that. Now, I think what has to be taken into consideration is that is the the journey that a lot of people had had prior to getting there. Now that the trains were, you know, striking, there was, I think the Dartford tunnel might have been closed perhaps. Obviously that affects Kent supporters or anyone coming from that sort of south area there. Um, and I think, the, as I said, the trains were a big problem. I know it affected attendance at our event. Um, I know it affected quite a few people because that's why we were offered quite a few tickets to give away on Patreon for the game. So people had a, 
a tough journey to get there. Yeah. I, th- I think as wrong as it is to say this, it was expected to beat Sheffield United. So whilst it should be a good atmosphere, when you kind of expect to win, that kind of dilutes, dilutes the atmosphere a little bit. But I think the journey people had, had to get there, and that's why people left early. I saw I saw people be, like accounts, criticising fans for leaving early. And I do sometimes agree. I do think sometimes fans, you know, well, especially those that just want to get to the pub and have a pint a bit quicker than they could before. You know, that that can be a bit frustrating. But in this circumstance, when clearly it was going to take them hours to get home um, and there was all sorts of troubles to get home, I do understand why people were leaving, particularly when it seemed like, you know, there was a done deal. It was going to be a West Ham win. So I think the atmosphere at times can be needing improvement at, uh, at the London Stadium but I think in this circumstance I think due to what was going on before the game and so on and, and people knowing what they'd have to do afterwards I think that was a big factor in it and the game was never close so it was kind of almost like more sit back and watch us win this rather than get behind the boys and um, and yeah so I think I think, I think fans can be excused for this game mm. Well, Saturday saw our first pre-match event at the Colour Factory in Hackney Wick, hosted by Mad Dog, with Ian Bishop as the special guest. Well, I enjoyed our time at the new GAFX, did you? Yes, I did, mate. I mean, I'm not going to lie, as always with me, there was a lot of pre-match nerves because it was a, a new venue and, mm. you know, everything's done differently. You don't really know your role until the event actually happens. And at that point, if things like don't, go to plan it's almost you have to change it right then as it's happening you can't do it before but you know going forward each event's going to get better and better but as far as first time events go at a new venue I mean that was our best one uh, in terms of what we like knowing what we we're doing and in terms of con- in control of it and so on so that was great and yeah I liked it obviously we've got a meeting in a couple of days all of us to discuss how we're going to improve it even further and we'll continue to do that until we're completely happy with it but I think for a first one it was well attended um, the atmosphere was great as always Martin was a brilliant host I thought Ian Bishop was a great guest um, it's brilliant to work alongside Frankie who's now involved as well and he adds a whole like, new sort of perspective to what you and I would see and a different perspective and a different way of maybe dealing with things as well so I think his additions would be great and actually on the whole it was a really 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 good event and the feedback that I've received certainly because yeah people said there's one or two things we can tweet but on the whole they absolutely loved it and things to quote that famous song are only going to get better I think because we were always striving you you and I and I know that Frankie's in the same and Martin as well similar mindset to improve everything that we ever do Um, continually looking for improvements and with that mindset things are just going to get better and better and better and what a a guest to have as a second one in John Moncurna I I actually was speaking to Martin the other day and I, I can't imagine how funny and like crazy that interview is going to be because the two of them teammates obviously in the 90s both absolute nutters uh, both pranksters both very funny people so yeah it's going to be it's going to be a great one and one not to be missed that's for sure 
Yeah, and as X said, we are back at the Colour Factory next Sunday for an event before the Newcastle game where <laughs> it will be John Moncur joining Mad Dog on stage. So God help us all. Um, tickets <laughs> are available now to non-patrons. And if you are a patron, as you know, you pay cash on the door at a discounted rate. And uh, it's, I important, say, it's, it's important to emphasise that, mate. Sorry, and I know you just have there, but just to reiterate that, it has changed now from patrons buying tickets on the link that we put up. I've removed the link now from the ticket office page. You have to pay on the door. Um, so, yeah, please bring cash along for that. It just makes things a lot easier for us in an admin perspective because we had a, a couple of people say they were patrons that weren't patrons and so on. So this this is just much more clear cut that way. And, um, yeah, so we thank patrons for that. But it's just exactly the same as before. Write your name beneath the post I've put on Patreon, whether you want a general admission or a VIP ticket and put your name down or it will come down anyway because you'll write what ticket you want and um, job's done and just turn the cash bring the cash sorry on the door remember to bring ID as well because they do check ID this new venue which adds a whole new security level to everyone as well um, and yeah just make sure you do that go forward patrons but non-patrons then there are links for you to get your tickets yeah, and I, I echo what you're saying as well. You know, going into the unknown of anything is uh, is is quite nervy. But you know, there were some teething issues first when we got there because we didn't really know what we was going to walk into. And actually, and people won't notice, we actually walked into fuck all <laughs> when we turned up. The venue wasn't even open, um, and then when we did open it, there was nothing there. And we're like, oh god, this is kicking off in about an hour and a half. And and thankfully, the team of people that are there are shit hot. So whilst we had a bit of a panic on, everything was ready in time and uh, and it was a really, really good event. So I've made um, uh, quite a few notes myself to, to bring to the meeting that I think we can improve. And as X said, he's absolutely spot on. That is what we always strive to do, whether it is through Patreon, through the events, we we never stop trying to improve and be the best we can be and and give uh, our patrons and attendees the best experience they can have. So um, long live the events! I think is the uh, is the message, and uh, we very much look forward to the next one. Um, we also had Lincoln in midweek. It's not the most glamorous. I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, did, I know. Yeah. This one there's so much to talk about this week. Yeah. Um, it, it, like I say, it wasn't the most glamorous of performances, but in a cup competition, surely it's just all about getting the job done, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so, mate. You know, we probably made it a bit too hard for ourselves at time against Lincoln, but at the end of the day, it is their cup final when you go mm. to lower league teams like that. Um, you know, the, it, we've done much changed team, so obviously those things always are a factor. And I think at the end of the day, the bottom line is to come out with a win in, you know, normal time. You don't want it to go to penalties because that's a lottery. Although it was just a, a margin one nil win I thought most of the game we were in control you know we missed it we missed chances Danny Ings particularly there's a couple we should have taken um, but we missed, we missed chances where we should have I know we made it I know Fabianski made a good save and so on and there was a goal disallowed but on the on the face of it I think we were in control and that, that was it you just needed to go there get a result and get out of there and we've done that obviously got a hard draw next round but that was that was the key just rotate the squad as much as possible make sure the squad was fit for to win at the weekend and get through to the next round and we did all of those objectives we got through to the next round and we won the game at the weekend so you, you can't complain you just put that result behind you now it's done the results in the bag you're in the next round job done don't need to overanalyze it too much 
Well, we are in the next round, and fucking typically, we get a big team early doors in a competition like this. And at first, I was thinking, oh, here we go. Same old, same old. Premier League draw early doors. But then I thought, do you know what? We're at home. We're in form. You know, I've got a lot of uh, belief in, in this group of boys. And I don't actually know what team Arsenal are going to put out. Because when you look at the competitions that they're in, you would you would think that this would be the one they that had the less priority, wouldn't you? So, I mean, I'm hoping that we could be playing against uh, a weaker side. So, yeah. whilst initially I was a bit like, oh, for fuck's sake, actually... Part of me fancies a result there, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with what you've said. And if you look at the team they put out in their last round, um, you know, which was against Bournemouth, wasn't it? So like a, a Premier League game, they put out a much changed team. You know, all their big hitters are on the on the subs bench. And for us, you know, I think I think we can challenge anyone at home with our strongest team. Um, we'll see be up to Moyes how strong he makes that team. But I think it's not it's not the end of the world. That draw, if it was away, I'd have been like, oh gosh, I really can't see us getting through that. But being at home. I think we could. I think we could do it. And you know, if we knock them out, because of the fact there's a lot of um, non Premier League ties and non Premier League teams still left. You know, you'd hope that the next round you might get someone a, a bit easier in terms of stature. So uh, it's not the end of the world. We're just we're just going to go out in that game and treat that tournament with the utmost respect. Because you know, if West Ham can win that tournament, it might mean nothing to Arsenal, but to West Ham that'll be our first domestic trophy since 1980. You know, we've never won the League Cup before either. So no. so it's one that would be great for us to win. And um, yeah, I hope Moyes gets the balance correct because he is going to have to rotate because both for West Ham and Arsenal it comes a horrendous period of games both in Europe and mm. domestically so he's got to get the rotation correct but if he does get it correct I, I think we've got a chance definitely yeah I agree two games this week Europa League and Premier League are you confident about both fixtures um <sighs> No, not confidence too strong. I think we can win both games, but I also think we can lose both games, which is a very obvious thing to say, but I think they're quite tough. You know, I don't think people appreciate that Freiburg are a good German side. You know, they're not, they're not a nobody. They are, they are a solid French. French change the national now. Sorry, German team, and I think and German teams are always hard to to play against. Obviously, we're going away. We've got no fans there. I mean, there might be a few that sneak in, but on the whole, we haven't got a you know a large allocation of fans because we're banned from it. So that's going to be interesting to see how the fan, how the players cope without fans there. I would say that's a tough game. I would, I would take a draw out of that if you was to offer me it now. The Newcastle game, I actually feel in a way more confident about, which is the stupid thing because I think we'll have a, we'll have our strongest team out for one. Newcastle have a lot of injuries and suspensions games that game. I think Gordon's out. I think Botman's out. I think there's doubts over Wilson. Um, I think Joe Linton might be out as well. So they've got a few. Um, the, um, what's his face as well? The winger Harvey Barnes, he's out. So there's quite a few doubts in their squad. And Newcastle, they've played well this season. Obviously, they've battered Sheffield United. But if you look at the league table, they're not, you know, they're not, doing perhaps as well as you know some people may have thought they were going to do and um i think i think we could i think we could get a win there i really do okay it's that time again calling all west ham fans 
Are you a patron of the West Ham way? If not, why not? For the price of a pint, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X, over 100 interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans, Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen, a show with Tony Cotty, the U Irons podcast, the West Ham Way USA, a transfer window show with Demis Chef, an expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.